everyone, and welcome to The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, a podcast where Superman still stands for truth, justice, and the American way. My name is Michael Bradley, and this is episode 64. This episode, we are sticking again with the radio show with a look at the 10th storyline from that, which is really kind of a significant story. But we'll get to that in a minute, because first, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. Charlie Niemeyer. Hey, everybody. How's it going? How you doing, Charlie? I'm doing great. How are you, Mike? <laughs> I'm good. We're we're finally getting some spring weather here, and it's, it's nice to be able to see sunshine and have the doors open again. Finally? Finally. We've had nothing but spring weather down here in Oklahoma. This is just another Saturday. Well, that's because you live out there in the west where it's always warm. Except for when they have tornadoes. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, last year when we had the blizzards. Right, right. <laughs> I think I think the very first time we recorded together, you had like eight inches of snow or something like that. That's right. When I was on your show. I think. Yes, I yes, I think so. Yeah, fun times. Amazing how much has changed in just a year. Well, it's been more than a year, hasn't it? Since I was I on have, your show? I don't know. <laughs> um... No, I bet you it's been oh, about a year. It's probably because... less than that because we had because I I didn't hit the Superman two thirty three until like early in the early in the year, and you didn't come on till after ten episodes after that, ten or so episodes after that. So yeah, it probably hasn't been a year yet. Hmm. I don't know. I don't keep track of things. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, I can look it up while you're doing stuff That's if you right. want. Okay. Uh, before we get into the episode itself i've got a little bit of feedback to read now normally i don't read feedback on the the radio episodes because charlie's here and it takes us longer to discuss the the radio adventures but this one was uh rather radio specific so i I thought i'd go ahead and read it now since charlie was here to enjoy it too Uh, but this was posted on the facebook page from suzanne mcneil and she wrote i'm especially enjoying the radio serial episodes of the podcast they're encouraging me to listen to my collection of Superman radio shows from the beginning so I can follow along with your discussions. Time to queue up the next one. And she had posted that in response to uh, episode 61 when I posted it on the Facebook page, which was another radio. That was the one where they went west to uh, the – Field or the, the – not, The not Mount Rushmore. Ah, okay. With the assassination attempt. I can't talk today. (laughs) Yay for recording day. But yeah, I I replied to her and I I told her that, you know, I was glad she was enjoying them. And I I really do think the radio serial is pretty fun. And and maybe my my favorite of the three kind of incarnations of Superman from this era being, you know, comics and radio and newspapers. I would agree with that probably. I have to say, she is my favorite of your listeners. She's Just my favorite, she'll... too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All oh. my listeners are my favorite when they send me email. Oh, gig. Or, or, or post or, on your or Facebook page. post on page. my Facebook page, yeah. <laughs> any, feed... any listener who sends feedback is officially oh. my favorite. Or maybe talk about – or maybe post something on like iTunes about you or oh, – not about you, cool but about too. the show. Yeah. They can post about me. Now, I, awesome. I, I went ahead and looked it up almost – a year to the date was when that show was released. I don't remember when we recorded, but it came out March seventh, two thousand eleven. Wow! So that was a year and three days ago. Exactly. Wow! Hmm. Yay! So we recorded probably sometime in February, which means yes, I was under a foot of snow. But now you have sunshine. 
Lots of sunshine. Right. And lots of weeds. We'll have to get out there and mow the grass. Shh. <laughs> I, I have a friend that lives down in Tennessee, and he posted on Facebook the other day. He said something about he saw someone mowing the grass, which meant he was either extremely neat or extremely bored. <laughs> oh, crap. I'm never too bored to mow. Yeah, me either. I, I, there's lots of things I can find to do that doesn't involve mowing. Right. Podcasting, reading comics. Yeah. Podcast, taking notes for a podcast. Taking notes for a podcast, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you ready to get into the actual episode now that we've talked for a while? Oh, sure. founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You're... Angel. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. For soon, the Mole Man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And now, mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Doom. Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You Earthlings can't change the way I can. Don't be dying to those powerful cousins on Earth. I've been expecting you. For I am the Thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ramatuts, King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. You're just a muscular freak, blind or hulk. Stop! You must not end on the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This planet shall sustain him to let be drained of all elemental life. So speak, Galactus. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning witnessed the origins of a legend. The Fantasticast. 
ffcast.libsyn.com. So this episode, we are looking at the 10th storyline from the radio show, which was episodes 52 to 57, and it ran June 10th to June 21st, 1940. It wrapped up three days before the likely release of Action Comics number 27, which we'll be looking at next episode. And like with the last storyline, both the Sunday and Daily Newspaper strips were in the midst of storylines we'll be looking at in future episodes. And our title is Horace Morton's Weather Predictions. As our story opens today, Clark Kent is on his way through the city room of the Daily Planet toward the private office of editor Perry White. As he is about to knock, he realizes that Lois Lane has approached, apparently headed in the same direction. We begin with Clark and Lois being called into Perry White's office. He gives them the assignment to interview Lois's uncle, Horace Morton. Apparently, after all his studies in meteorology, Dr. Morton is now the most accurate weather forecaster in the world. In fact, in the past year, he's been about a 100% accurate with his forecasts. However, he's not a big fan of journalists. So Perry is hoping that Lois can get him to talk to her and decides to send Clark along too because otherwise this whole scene would have been pointless. Lois resists since she hasn't seen him in years, but Perry insists. We learn that Morton lives on Music Mountain outside of New Birmingham, which sounds like an amusement park, if you ask me. Uh, He lives alone with only his assistant, Elmer Rogers, to keep him company. So reluctantly, Lois and Clark head out to New Birmingham and Music Mountain. As they approach New Birmingham, they find themselves in a sudden heavy rainstorm, despite it being clear just a little bit ago. The storm seems more intense as they get closer to town, so Clark pulls over until things can calm down a little bit. At this point, they notice another car approaching with its headlights on. It stops in front of the reporters, and the men inside get out of their car and at gunpoint force Lois and Clark out of their car and take off in the, in, in the reporter's car, basically a carjacking. Lois and Clark get into the other car, but the men had taken the keys, so they're pretty much stranded at this point. So leaving Clark and why would Clark leave himself in the car? So leaving Lois in the car, Clark changes to Superman and takes off after the bandits. Dropping down on the road in front of them, Superman watches as they swerve to avoid hitting the Man of Steel and crash. He quickly captures them and then knocks them out as the police approach and then takes off again to switch to Clark and use a nearby payphone to call for help and reunite with Lois. Late the next evening, in another car, Lois and Clark head up Music Mountain to Morton's observatory. As they approach, Lois asks Clark to pull over and shows him a piece of paper that she had found in the bandit's car. It mentions that, the, that a professor promises a storm at about 3.30 and that they should be ready to go when it hits. This leaves them wondering if Morton had something to do with those bandits since it was shortly before 4 when they came upon them, especially since the police had mentioned that these bandits had actually committed the robbery during the storm. So Clark takes the note, tells her to forget about it, and they walk up to the observatory. They knock, and Elmer Rogers answers the door. He's very nervous, though, and is very glad that Lois is there because he has something he needs to tell her. Unfortunately, Morton is on his way down the stairs, so Rogers pleads with the reporters to not mention anything, not one word. A few minutes later, Horace has taken Clark and Lois to his lab. As the clock strikes 10.30, the phone rings. Rogers answers it and speaks to a man named Collins who wants to speak to Horace. Rogers says that he's being visited by his niece and a newspaper man named Kent. 
and Collins says to remind Horace that he should do no interviews. He then asks about the forecast, and Rogers confirms Horace has said there will be fog and hail in New Birmingham at 10.45 that night. Collins tells Rogers to remind Horace that there should be no mistakes. Rogers says he's worried about the demonstrations and talks about how there was a holdup during last night's storm and a jewel robbery during a hailstorm the previous week. He's worried that people are using Horace's weather demonstrations as cover. Collins says it's all a coincidence and not to worry about it because the syndicate will make sure Horace is taken care of if he comes through on the demonstrations. Rogers expresses more misgivings that Morton is being taken advantage of by the syndicate, but Collins threatens him into silence. Meanwhile, Horace chats with Lois and Clark. Horace won't answer questions about how he predicts the weather, but offers to give a demonstration of what he calls the Morton system. He makes some adjustments to his machines and then tells Clark to call for the weather. Once the operator says it is to be clear and cool, Horace checks his machine and says that thick fog and severe hail are imminent. He then excuses himself, and Clark and Lois head out to the balcony for some fresh air. Clark is suspicious about the machinery that Horace is using and skeptical about his predictions. Before they can discuss it further, however, a thick bank of fog rolls in, and hail begins to rain down on them. They head back inside to avoid the hail when suddenly a gunshot rings out. Clark and Lois call out for Horace, but get no answer, so they start to head downstairs to investigate. Clark gets a little bit ahead of Lois and then stops short and warns her not to come any closer. Lois ignores this warning and goes ahead anyway to see Elmer Rogers, dead of a gunshot wound with a gun lying nearby. Clark finds the gun that killed Rogers, but keeps Lois from touching it in order to keep from messing up any prints on the gun. When Morton enters the room, Clark informs the doctor of Rogers' death, but is not quick enough to stop the doctor from picking up the gun. Clark tries to get Morton to call the police, but Morton is hesitant. After he leaves, Clark and Lois discuss how Morton is acting very suspicious. After all, there were only four people in the building, and Rogers had been scared of Morton when they first arrived. Plus, by picking up the gun, there was now a plausible reason for his prints to be on the gun. Add that to Morton's hesitation to call the police, and things just didn't look good for the good doctor. When Morton returns, he reports that the phones are down. Lois insists that Clark go to town to get the police while she stays with Morton. With the storm over, Clark leaves, hoping Lois will be safe. Switching to Superman, he flies down to New Birmingham. As he gets closer, he sees lights and hears a lot of shouting at a bank. Landing in an alley, he switches back to Clark to see what's going on. He tells the sergeant about the murder, but the sergeant is a little busy at the moment. Apparently during the storm, the bank had been robbed and the robbers had locked three special officers in the safe, which has a time lock. The lock isn't set for the next morning, but they will run out of air well before then. So after finding out exactly where the vault is, Clark runs back to the alley, changes back to Superman, and heads for the vault. Using his super strength, Superman busts his way into the vault, and by this point, the men inside have all passed out due to a lack of air. He considers taking them out through the hole he had just made, but with all the people in the bank, he figures it would be easier to just knock down the vault door instead so that they can help them in. So, he does. And he's pretty much seen by everyone there. But before any questions can be asked, he runs off through the hole he made in the vault and flies back up to the observatory. Landing outside, he switches back to Clark and knocks on the door, but there's no answer. He finds the door unlocked and enters, calling for Lois and Morton, but there's still no answer. The observatory is empty.
All right, I'm going to rewrite the beginning of this a little bit. As our next episode opens, the police have arrived at the at the observatory. Clark recaps the story so far for anyone who might have missed any of last week's episodes. And one of the officers then reveals that they found what looks to be black dirt or gravel in Rogers' hand. Clark hears a noise, and we find it's Horace coming up from the cellar. When Horace enters, Clark demands to know where Lois is, but Morton says he doesn't know and maintains his innocence despite pressure from Clark and the police officers. While one of the officers heads down to the cellar to check things out, Horace explains he was downstairs working on an experiment to break down pitch blend ore into radium in hopes of coming up with a new method that can be used at the nearby refinery. Clark shows him the substance that was in Rogers' hand, and Morton confirms that it is, in fact, pitch blend. Assuming that Rogers tried to steal the radium, the police sergeant declares that Horace had motive, means, and opportunity, and promptly arrests the doctor for Rogers' murder. Clark follows them outside as Horace is taken away, and spots a set of tire tracks leading away from the observatory. He realizes Lois's car is gone, but can't tell the police, or they would question how he got to town. As the sergeant heads back inside to look for Lois and more clues, Clark tells him he'll look outside. Clark follows the tracks down the road, where he sees a second set following Lois's. He then takes to the skies as Superman to follow both sets of tracks. Meanwhile, far ahead on the road, Lois drives frantically through the storm, trying to avoid her pursuers. The cars approach a bridge, and as Superman soars overhead narrating, the pursuing car rams into Lois's car forcing it through the side rail and into the lake. Superman dives down and pulls her from the water, and she soon revives in the arms of Clark Kent. Clark tells her what happened, leaving out the details about Superman's rescue, and then tells her that they have hitched a ride in a passing truck and are on the way to the hospital. Lois tells him that two men showed up at the observatory, and she overheard them talk about how they'd killed Rogers, and that they were then looking for Morton. She also heard them talk about how they were using the storms as cover for their crimes, and that Morton was not only predicting the storms, but making them. Apparently, Morton is unaware of what they were doing during his storms, but Rogers knew, which is why they killed him. After laying out their whole plan to one another, they then spotted Lois and tried to get her too, which is when she ran and they followed her in the car. Realizing Morton is innocent after all, and not caring about Lois's welfare after she was nearly murdered in a tragic automobile accident, Clark tells the trucker to forget the hospital and go to the jail instead. When they arrive at the jail, though, they find a huge crowd gathered. Clark flags down the sergeant and tells him that Morton is innocent and they need to get him out of jail. But the sergeant says that shortly after they arrived with Morton, there was a huge explosion and a gang of men came in and took Morton away and they have no idea where he is. Clark and Lois head down to the radium refinery to meet up with Milo Fails, as he is the only lead they have left at this point. As they drive to the refinery, they note that the mountain definitely seems to be moving and that the refinery is right in the mountain, practically under it. They get inside, but everyone is busy packing things up for the, ex- for the evacuation. They meet up with Falls, Fails, Flaps, Foops. They meet up with Fails, but he's too busy to talk to reporters until they mention Morton, at which point he takes them to his office. He mentions that Morton is alive, but then catches himself and adds that he must be. We then learn about the refining work that they're doing. Right now, they have several tons of pitch blend ore to get out of the plant. 
But due to it being worth about $30,000 per ton, which, by the way, I looked up, and as of 2010, that's approximately $461,239.32 per ton. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of money per ton. And they've got several thousand tons. Exactly. He apologizes for not being able to help when he gets a call from an engineer telling him to hurry up. There's apparently a big storm higher up the mountain, which is causing more slides. Lois decides she wants to go up and help the people in the settlements evacuate. So they leave while Fails and his men work to pack up. Outside, Clark thinks about how nervous Fails was when they first mentioned Morton, and how he calmed down once he learned that they basically didn't know much about his connection to Morton. So he sends Lois up the mountain alone while he sticks around on a hunch. Once she leaves, we learn that another reason that he wanted to stick around was because his superhearing had picked up a conversation along the phone's lines in Fail's office. Continuing to listen to the conversation, we hear uh, he – well, actually, we do. But he hears that Fails is in league with the men who took Morton and that those men plan to take the radium and will create a terrible storm to cause the mountain to come down as part of the cover-up. Clark tries to explain this to Lois, but now he's got to figure out how he can do so without giving away his secret. Clark and Lois help families in their evacuations as the situation worsens at Music Mountain. Lois berates Clark for suggesting Horace is mixed, mixed up in causing the storms, but starts to come around when Clark says the gang might be using him to further their schemes. He says they should go back to the observatory and look it over, hopefully to find a clue or maybe even Horace himself. As thunder echoes, the two head back up to the observatory. Upon arrival, Clark sees a light in the cellar. He then tells Lois to go back to the road and keep a lookout, and then prepares to take care of business as Superman. Sneaking a look in the window, he sees a police guard tied up in the corner, and Horace working at his equipment while being held at gunpoint by Collins. After crashing through the side of the building, Superman shrugs off gunfire and then knocks, knocks Collins out cold with one punch. He then resumes his guise as Clark, grabs a light, and finds Horace just as Lois shows up, having heard all the commotion. Horace tells them that they have to hurry because Music Mountain is about to give way, and it's too late to stop the storm. He tells Clark that Collins' men are planning to cut off the trucks at Forest Hill Pass, which is just past the refinery. Clark tells Lois to keep watch over her uncle, and the guard, and Collins, and then, once out of sight, takes off as Superman. The trucks and the bus full of children creep up the slope to Forest Hill Pass, unaware of the danger right above them. As the rain starts once more, Superman swoops in, grabs the trucks one by one, and uses them as a barrier to block the avalanche, allowing the bus to pass safely by. The next day, back at the observatory, Clark and Lois and Horace talk about the strange luck of the night before. You know, how the trucks blocked the avalanche. But Clark tells them he can't explain the strange coincidence. He then reminds Horace they want an interview about the Morton system for the paper, but Horace declines, saying that he has decided that messing with nature only leads to trouble, and for the sake of humanity, the Morton system is destroyed, and his story is one that never will be printed. The end. Oh man, that means poor Lois and Clark are going to get fired. Probably. Yeah. But they'll be back next episode. Oh, okay. Well, as long as they're back, that's fine. fine. <laughs> December 7th, Earth 2, 1941.
a world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Our cast this time out was Bud Collier as Superman and Clark Kent, as always, and we had Julian Noah as Perry White. The Carjacker from Episode 52 and a police officer in Episode 54. I'm not sure who did Elmer Rogers. Uh, to me, he sounded a, a lot like the Filipino houseboy from <laughs> I forget what episode it was. Just not with the accent. Right. Uh, but I think that might have been played by Arthur Vinton. And Mr. Collins and Horace Morton both sounded like they might have been Ned Weaver. But this also, this set of episodes also has the debut of Joan Alexander as Lois Lane. Joan Alexander is a name you'll hear quite frequently, uh, probably as long as this podcast is running, to be honest, as she voices Lois for the rest of the duration of the radio serials run, and also voices the character in the Fleischer and Famous Superman shorts, as well as the 60s filmation series. Yay! She does a really good job of it, too. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she did, too. Um, My first note for episode 52 is that Lois and Clark seem very playful towards one another at the beginning of this episode, and even Mm -hmm. later when they're driving to uh, Music Mountain. Yeah, Clark's a little bit of a jokester. A little bit, yeah. And even when they get carjacked, uh, Lois is acting much differently, you know, telling Clark to just do what he says and not berating Clark for being a coward. Um, yeah, I had a note about that too because Clark's actually, it, it's weird. It's ba- it's backwards from what we're used to. Clark actually fought back and Lois told him to stop fighting and let him take the car. Right, yeah. She just seems a lot friendlier than in previous episodes. I mean, when Perry tells her and Clark to go to, to see Horace, she's upset about having to go see him, not like in the comics where she'd be upset that Clark had to go with her. Mm-hmm. And really the only time that she gets callous towards him throughout this whole set of episodes is towards 
uh, episode 57 when Clark suggests or, or says he thinks that Horace might be a criminal, which that's understandable. Yeah, it's her uncle. I can understand right? that. So I really like the, the, the shift in her portrayal. I'd be pretty ticked at you if you had said that my my uncle was a criminal. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to see Lois back in the first place. Yeah. We haven't seen her in at least two stories, right? Um. She wasn't in the last two, and she had a, only a small part in that one that introduced Jimmy. It's either two or three, two or three stories we haven't really seen her. So it's nice to have her back. Yeah, I, I think to... the last one we saw her in was the one where Jimmy debuted. Yeah, the Donnelly thing, right? Right. Yeah. Which was the sixth storyline back in episode 54. So, yeah, it has okay. been quite a while. So, yeah, it's been – so it's nice to have her back, even though Definitely. she sounds different than she used to. Right. Well, new actress. Yeah. I'm, I'm not complaining. It's just <laughs> – it happens every time she goes away for a little while and comes back. Yeah. Um, also of note, this episode introduces Horace Morton, which is the first relation of Lois that's been introduced – so far, we've seen Jimmy's mom and Lois's uncle, so it makes me wonder if we're going to see some relation of Perry White pretty soon. We'll get Clark Kent's big brother in the comics, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's different. Lots of ways off, though. Yeah. This is a first relation for Lois, even in the comics stuff, too, right? Yes. As the mighty master of the Golden Age. Um, so that's pretty cool. Moving ahead in the story a little bit, um, I got a flashback to... Lois and Clark heading up to Dyerville, Dryerville, Dyersville, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the town um, that cannot be named. Yes. Exactly. Uh, because once again, Clo- Lo- Clois, mm-hmm. Lois and Clark are just driving up to ta- driving to town, and some someone messes with them on the drive up and causes problems for them. And Superman ends up having to save the day. Right. So. Um, but and and another note, uh, and I forgot to mention this in my synopsis and maybe it's just because of the way things were back then but i've always been i was always taught and i'm i'll I'll go ahead and say it i'm 31 now i'll be turning 32 this year and that makes me feel ancient but i'm older um, than you are so don't feel bad about it (laughs) so i've been driving for almost 16 years and when i learned how to drive oh no that does make us sound old yes i know when i thank you when i first learned how to drive the big thing was always turn your headlights on. And while I'm not completely sure about how it is in Oklahoma, I know when I lived in Maryland, they've actually passed a law where if you have to turn on your windshield wipers, you have to have your headphone headphones. Yeah. You have to have your headlights on. So, you know, for safety. But here, um, both Clark and Lois make it sound weird that the car coming towards them in the rainstorm, the heavy rainstorm, has its headlights on, and Clark actually turns his on so that they can be seen. That is kind of weird because it was not—it was nighttime. Yeah, it was dark. Plus, it was really stormy. I mean, it was heavy rain to the point where Clark had to pull over. Hmm. So, I would think that they would have them on. Now, like again, like I said, you know, back then, I don't know that seatbelts were really required, and I don't know how much they were doing with driver's license and tra- and stuff like that. So, you know. Uh, automobiles were still kind of new at the time, so I don't know what the rules were. But right. It's just, I guess it's just one of those because it's a different time. But it just was really weird that they wouldn't have their lights on, and it would be such a big deal to see someone with their lights on in a heavy rainstorm. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird. I didn't pick up on it, but that yeah, that's weird. Then it took them an extra day to get a car, and they didn't go up till the next night. 
That's kind of weird. Where did they go for that during in the interim? You mean after they got carjacked? Yeah, they got carjacked, and it, they, it wasn't until the next night that they were finally able to go up the mountain. So where were they staying them in the meantime? Probably just a nearby town. That would make sense. They didn't really specify, you know, but I assume because if they were going to rent a car, it would have to be a nearby Probably town. could have been New Birmingham, actually, now that I think about it, because they were almost there anyway. Right, right. Which actually segues nice into my next note, that once again we have Clark or Clark and Lois being sent out of town, but at least they're <laughs> staying nearby. You know, if they're able to drive there, it's a little closer than taking a train across country. Yes, yes, it was better. Um, so when they introduced Elmer as uh, Horace Morton's faithful assistant, did you think he was going to turn out to be evil? Immediately. Okay. Um, yes, I thought he was going to turn evil. And in fact, at the beginning of the next episode, when he starts talking to them, I was like, oh, look at that. It happened again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I do my notes as I listen through, you know, before I listen to the, to the future episode and I made a note. Is Omar going to turn out to be evil? Because it would fit the pattern. And then we got to the the end of episode 53, and I'm like, oh, no, I guess he's not going to end up being evil, is he? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I think I, I have a note about that, too. That's a, that was a new twist. It's like uh-huh. it, they started to set it up like they normally did, and then they throw you for a loop in the second episode of the story. So that was interesting. Um, but moving back into... We're kind of jumping all around, but that's okay. Um, With the carjacking, I I laughed when Superman just knocked the guy out as the police were coming. (laughs) He he heard the sirens and knew he had to leave, so he said something about, uh, I have to make sure you're still here when the police arrive. Then you just hear a punching sound, and the guy falls to the ground. It it made me laugh. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Definitely Golden Age Superman. Oh, definitely, right. Uh, did you have anything else for 53? Uh, you mean 52? 52? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Okay. I think we covered it all. Uh, my only note for 53 was that there was no Superman in this episode. And other than the very first episode, which was set entirely on Krypton, I think that might be a first. Uh, yeah. Even they, they didn't even try to make some pointless thing for him to change. Right. Yeah. It was just all exposition. I did note, though, that when uh, they have Clark call the weather, uh, basically this is the first introduction of Surrey because uh, it sounds like Clark's calling Surrey from the iPhone. I don't have an iPhone. <sighs> What's that sound like? You've never seen the commercials? Probably. I don't really pay attention to commercials. Ah, <laughs> uh, so that's why you're not getting the joke. Yeah. Never I, work mind. At, I work at night, so I tend to record shows I want to watch and watch them later and – so you fast forward through fast the fast forward through the commercials, yeah. Well, it sounds like a woman. It hey. me, yeah, sorry, oh, no, voice. no, okay. <laughs> not you. Usually, no, um, hey, hey, sir. Hey. Yeah, thank you. Siri is one is basically a woman with like a computer voice, and you you push the button on your. It's not the older iPhones; it's the new four or S, I think it is. And you push the button, and you say, you know, ask her a question, and I will look that up for you. And stuff like that. So Clark calls the weather. The weather, and it, one of the things she can do is tell you the weather because of the weather app on your phone. So can I get one that sounds like Hal? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> the weather is death. No, I don't know. Hello, Hal. 
But anyway, yeah. So it sounded like Clark called Siri, but if you don't, if you've never heard it, someone hopefully will get that joke. <laughs> cool. <clears throat> um, I also noted that um, if you think about it, um, and I just wrote, wrote this as you were going over the, the notes, it was a dark and stormy light, and then suddenly a shot rang out. <laughs> it fit perfect. It did, yeah. It's dark, foggy, hail coming down, and then poof, a shot comes out. That wasn't really my shot sound. It was more of a poo sound, but you know what I meant. That's all right. I'll put a sound effect in there for you. Thank you. Moving on to episode 54, Horace really didn't sound too upset about Elmer's death. Mm. And even Lois noticed it, and Clark mentioned it as well. So, you know, at first I wasn't sure if it was bad acting or, or just part of the mystery. But then, you know, when the other characters mentioned it... Obviously, it's part of the mystery. Yeah, you, you, it's just hard to tell in, in these in these older shows because acting isn't exactly uh, <laughs> always the top priority as far as, you know, the... Yeah, yeah. Winning actors. But, so. And then he did a really good job of covering... I mean, th- this episode did a really good job of really making you think that Morton might have actually been the killer. Right. Excuse me. I mean... Everything everything le- seems to lead to him being the killer on this. Right. Really, all the way over to, well, I guess, later in this episode. Or, no, episode 55. Mm-hmm. When, when Lois, you know, lays out the entire details of everything you need to know. Exactly. So that was nice. <laughs> um, I had a question in this episode about where Superman is storing his Clark Kent clothes when he... Uh, that he always has them with him because when he goes to New Birmingham, he lands in the alley and then comes out as Clark Kent. So he would have had to have had them with him. Well, obviously he just leaves them folded behind a dumpster in the alley. I don't know. <laughs> Better in the pouch in his cape. Or he left Music Mountains. He he changed to Superman and left Music Mountain, so he would have oh, had good to have point. had his yeah yeah. I imagine kids at the time didn't even notice little things like that, especially since this is all audio, but it makes me wonder. Well, maybe since there was the fog and stuff and he wasn't going to be, like, patrolling, maybe he was flying with the clothes in his hands. Hmm. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. It's one of those things that will probably probably be questioned a lot, but... (laughs) You never know. That, right. That's part of the reason they came up with that pouch thing. And then right. that still doesn't make sense because that's a whole bunch of clothing in a pouch. And, well, yeah. he super compresses them. Compresses them and... It's still a pouch. It was cape. <laughs> and how do you add a pouch to, a, to a, um, an indestructible cape? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see? Yeah. And does it have a zipper or could stuff fall out? I mean, if he's upside down... Kryptonian Velcro. (laughs) Because, you know, when he's upside down or something, his wallet could fall out. Oh, hey, the Clark Kent. Nice. Why are you... Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, I liked the scene with Superman tearing into the bank vault to rescue people. I always always love that particular type of feat. And it's very reminiscent of his first super feat in the uh, newspaper strip. It is. I had a note about that, too. It In the... Second storyline from the dailies, he freed some bank employees that were locked in a vault. Uh, he didn't get there on time, and two of them, uh, there was ten guys, and two of them died, which is what inspired him to apply it to the paper so that he could get news like that earlier. But yeah, it did very much remind me of that. 
and the, the narration during that part is very, very good too, very colorful. Yes, and they see him. Yeah. He pushes the door down, and everyone can see him. And, and I know that this is New Birmingham. I don't know the size of this town, and I know it's not exactly whatever city that they're from. But still, Superman, this basically is like his first public appearance, right? Um, well, he's been seen by people before. This is probably his biggest feat, Yes, as far as like you know, saving the helicopter from the Daily Planet, or right, saving well, the shuttle, or whatever. Exactly, but what I'm what I mean is, um, like, yeah, he'll he's been seen like one, by one or two people at a time, and then everyone else thinks you know they're just messing with him. You know, hey, I just saw a flying guy, whatever, right. you know that kind of thing. But this one, he pushes that door down, and anyone that was in the bank could see him, and there was a lot of voices. Uh huh. So I'm thinking he was seen by a lot of people this time. Could be. And then he ran off. So yeah, they never mention it again in this episode. But mm-hmm. and I think we're still going to get a lot of in future episodes. I think we're still going to get a lot of things about him. You know, does he exist? Does he not? People exactly. not believing that he's actually a person. Especially since this is 1940 and no one had like cell phones to take quick pictures and right they stuff didn't, like they didn't that. Have the iPhone with the exactly with the Siri. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my last note was that. Really, we're, we, I guess we talked about it a little bit, but we're halfway into the set of episodes, and really there's a lot of nice mysteries going on so far in this batch. You know, I like how they've I, I like how they've been playing up the mystery angle more in the last couple storylines, keeping the listener in the dark along with Superman. It really helps keep my interest up as a listener, even 70 years later. Exactly, and they're, they, they, they build up on them. They've been building up on them a lot better through the storyline instead of just throwing it all there in the first one and then slowly right. each piece gets answered. They're actually adding – they're still adding mysteries as we keep going. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. They just keep building and then episode 55 was kind of an info dump with Lois spelling – you know, having heard the criminals and, and spelling everything out. But Exactly. But then they still have more mysteries that they throw in. Right. So it's – yeah, this was a really cool one with that. So that's a good segue to episode 55. At the beginning of this episode, they used the some time has passed, hmm. you know, flash forward. But I didn't mind it because they didn't resolve the cliffhanger. You know, it, they, they skipped forward in time, but the police had showed up and it just allowed us to skip over Clark sitting there twiddling his thumbs while the police arrived. We exactly. still had the cliffhanger of where Lois and Horace were. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of times they probably uh, – like. It was last story that was like every five minutes they were saying some time has passed. Right. Yeah, and last storyline, every episode <laughs> had that. So, yeah, if if they did that here, we'd probably start off this episode with Lois waking up in Clark's arms in the truck. Right. So, yeah, I'm glad that they did it this way. I did have a question, though, about how Horace was making the storms. I mean, it's a very comic booky idea, but very outlandish compared to the more grounded stories we've had on the radio show so far. I mean, even the machine from a couple storylines ago that could melt airplanes, that's not exactly realistic, but more grounded than creating thunderstorms and hailstorms. Yeah. Um, he created a machine that can actually cause the weather. That's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, even for now. <laughs> yeah. Putting that in a comic book. 
on the other hand, they had the Indians' last storyline, or the Eskimos, whatever they were, that caused the, the image of the, the huge Indian to form in the sky. So yeah, they maybe, never explained that one either. Right. So maybe they're kind of inching towards the more far-out storylines that we normally associate with comics. Which would be really groovy. Yeah. See what I did there, because you said far out. Nice. Anyway. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah, see, see, see. It's Saturday. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, we had no Superman again in this episode. Now, that rarely happens that we have two episodes in the same story without Superman. Well, it's never happened before because episode Wait. 53 was the first one. Wasn't he Superman when he saved Lois? Let's see. Yeah, you've got it on the notes that, yeah, he was Superman. Oh, you're absolutely right. Oh, duh. <laughs> it's okay. I I missed it too. But yes. we still have it with only like – we still have one episode without Superman in it. Ooh, ooh, technically the next episode Superman doesn't show up. 56. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he never he never actually changed. He uses superpowers, but he never changes to Superman in fifty six. Okay, maybe that's the one I was thinking of. You, you just you just wrote the note I a wrote little the early. Note long episode, yeah. That's okay. You uh, still have fans. So, did you have anything? <laughs> did you have anything else for fifty five? Uh, no. All right. Well, then moving on to fifty six, they again have some time has passed, but the cliffhanger hasn't been resolved. So I don't I don't have any problem with that leap in time. Exactly. They're doing better. Much better than last time. Yeah. And in this episode, there was no Superman. <laughs> right, yeah. That's the second episode. <laughs> yes. Okay. Second episode this whole time. They'd rarely do that. I thought, I thought that, that was cool. I thought that Superman picking out the voices from the telephone lines was pretty impressive. He's eavesdropped on phone calls before, but he was intentionally listening in on those. Here he just seemed to overhear it. Uh, as the signal was passing through the the, the lines, so I thought that exactly. was pretty impressive. And uh, did it sound like that the Collins guy on the other side of the phone sounded like Yellow Mask? Yeah, like I said, I think it was Ned Weaver yeah. that did that voice, and he did the Yellow Mask. See, I didn't notice it in the second episode, but in this episode, I noticed it. Ah. it was interesting. I was like, "Whoa, wait! <laughs> this is the return of the Yellow Mask." Not really. I'm just kidding. And that's all I had for 56. I'm sorry, folks, but my, my, this, this episode or this batch of episodes was really good. My notes are just a lot sparser. Uh, yeah, I have these two, but I have no notes for the next episode. Yeah. I was just I just was getting into it. I didn't think, oh, wait, I should probably write something. Yeah. But I couldn't think of anything to write. But sometimes you just don't have as much to say. You know, it's just how it goes. Um, yeah. Moving on to episode 57, which was the, the final episode. We. We again had these loud crickets when they're outside. It's like, did, did they seriously not notice how loud those were? And I think they were even louder this time. Well, see, the the thing is, you, you fail to to note how important it is, how much more important it is to get the ambiance sound than it is to actually have the, the dialogue. Right. Um. They're outside, okay? That's yeah. all you need to know. You need to know what they're saying, just that they're outside. When they're exactly. Saying. Exactly. Yeah. Who needs – I mean it's the last episode of a six-part story. It's not like you need to know what's going on. Right. Superman saves a day. That's all you need. Yeah. That's all – everything's cleared up by the end. You don't – what you need to know is that it's freaking nighttime and so you have to have the crickets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But seriously, I I wonder if maybe the deteriorated quality of these episodes makes that worse. That's possible. Maybe the – 
Yeah. It could not really up the crickets, but it could have muted some of the dialogue and stuff too. Or right. the rest of the sounds. Right. That's if, possible. If people have tried to do some EQ cleanup on them and that kind of thing, it, yeah. it could have had a bad effect. Yeah, non-professionals, it's hard to do that. Yeah. But speaking of saving the day, we have Superman stopping another rock slide. The the, uh, the writers really like that idea, it seems, because they've used <laughs> it like three or four episodes now. Three or four climaxes. Well, you know, it, it's a big thing. I... I mean, do you, you don't go out and stop a rock slide every Saturday, do you? No, I usually do that on Fridays. Oh, okay. It's a nice way to end the week. <laughs> yeah, see? So, yeah. Superman does it on Saturday. It's just the way it works. But at least this time they had the added danger of a bus full of, bus full, <laughs> but a bus full of kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I feel. what about the ore and the people in those trucks? Yeah. They died. Oh. And And... But at least the kids are okay, and the settlers. Right. Of course, he, you know, all the all the ore that was destroyed, which was what do you say, like four hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars, yeah, per ton, right? Uh huh. And how many trucks were there? I don't think I don't they even... gave a number of trucks, but there were several of them if they could block a whole avalanche with them. Exactly. I, I am well. It was kind of foggy, I guess, and dark. But I'm kind of amazed no one saw Superman doing that with the trucks and it definitely would have been a miracle well, if the you drivers have a might have but they're not going to tell anybody now well, heck no they're dead <laughs> or smushed by a bunch of pitch blend right uh, but overall I like this one we had a nice mystery and a couple good Superman feats Lois actually seemed friendly to Clark in, in this batch of episodes not none of that you know cold shrew that we saw in previous episodes it kind of remains to be seen how much of that sticks around, but yeah, she acted like a normal person. It was really cool. Yeah, uh, I was Joan, so happy. Joan Alexander's portrayal of Lois seems a little bland compared to earlier actresses, but we've only seen the one storyline, and, and part of that is because she seemed friendlier. She didn't have that kind of Spitfire attitude that the first first two actresses did when they played it. Yeah, and she played it more like a normal human instead of a uh, like a scared squealing woman. Right. Um yeah. so that was probably part of it too. The doors, the doors are closing. Oh yeah. my god. But yes. Um <laughs> Yes, she it might have seemed more bland, but well part of it was they changed the way they wrote her, but <clears throat> but yeah, definitely. She didn't freak out as much. She seemed almost as like an equal to Clark. Other than uh-huh. the whole having to change her voice to change the Supergirl or Superwoman or something, but yeah, she seemed on, on an even keel with Clark, which was cool. Yeah, I don't mind Lois being a little hateful towards Clark because I know that's part of the trope, but they just really laid it on probably too thick in those earliest episodes. Yes, if they could bring a little bit of that spite back, I'd be okay with it. But we'll see where it goes. Yeah, a, a little bit's okay. It's just wow. So it's, I, I guess for you they've kind of <laughs> they've gone too far the other way. They took it all away, basically, other than a, uh, one or two instances. I wouldn't say too far, but you know I, I just don't mind a little bit of that that spite in there, that little bit of you know attitude because I think that's very much Lois. Yeah. yeah, even even when Byrne wrote her, she had that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you take too much of that out she can almost end up being just your generic 
damsel in distress. Yeah. When she's, you know. Oh, well, she goes back. She goes to sixties, Lois. Right. Well. Right. <laughs> Without the trying to trick Superman into marrying her. Yeah. 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 That. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. We well, we won't get into that right now. <laughs> we'll save that for Billy Hogan. Yeah. There you go. Uh, my last comment was that I thought the sound effects for the storms were pretty good in this batch, given that mm-hmm. they were a key part of the story. I'm I'm glad they. Were able to nail those. Yeah, the thunder I, and the rain. They did really good with just about everything this episode. Yeah, I thought. Even when they did have to say, "I'll just take this door, the one right over here. I'll open it here." Okay, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, all the other than not, I think the only thing I, I noticed it stuck out for me for some reason was uh, that they didn't seem to shut the door when they left Fail's office in '56. But other than that. I thought everything was like spot on. Yeah. And it definitely sounded like hail coming down. And you really can't do a sound effect for fog. But Yeah, fog doesn't make noise. No. Unless it's a fog monster. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was I, I this this one would have won an award for special effects if I was giving out awards for special effects to a radio show. Awards. There you go. It's the Charlie Niemeyer Special Sound Effect Awards. There you go. That goes to this episode on Thrilling Adventures of Superman. Yep. Um, if you're interested in hearing these episodes, they've never been released. So good luck. And if I can move the Batman comic books. Uh, <laughs> oh, all those Golden Age ones you've been reading now? Yeah. Yeah. Those are heavy. Um, and they have never – this storyline was not adapted in text form for Radio Mirror. So you can't get it that way either. <laughs> Seriously? But, this was a good one to do too. But you can uh, find the the episodes online because they're – like we talked about, talked about before, they're uh, public domain. So just look around for them or if you need help, drop me an email. Yay. Yay. And this – is this the part where the – comes in and you play a promo? Um, unless you have something else to say, yeah. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> cordially invited to attend a podcast that observes the unfolding events of history. Come with me and observe the birth and growth of a legend. From the pages of a ten-cent pulp comic book to the newspapers, radio program adventures, theatrical films, and more. Witness the dawn of the superhero. Golden Age Superman. Available on iTunes and at goldenagesuperman.libsyn.com. Every legend has a beginning. And now, folks, it's time for Who Do You Trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? Me? I'm giving away free money. And where is the Batman?
Okay, let's try this another way. Where's Bruce? People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol, as a symbol, I can be incorruptible. I can be everlasting. No, 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 let me guess. Giant, menacing, supernatural form. Kind of like a bat. Every punk in this town is scared stiff. You know what they say? They say he can't be killed. They say he drinks blood. There's nothing mere about that mortal. Who... who are you? I'm your worst nightmare. I don't know who he is behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him. And we need him now. Legends of the Batman. Everything Batman from the beginning. Available at BatmanLegends.com. Well, folks, that's it for this episode. Unfortunately, that means it's time to share a bit of bad news, because sadly this will be Charlie's final time on the show for now, because he has decided to lighten his podcasting load for a while so he can focus on some non-podcasting things in his life. So Charlie, I want to thank you again for joining me. It's been really great having you on the radio episodes. As I've said, I, I really dig the radio show. You know, Not only are they really entertaining but they're they're very important as far as superman's history goes and i've really liked having you here to bounce off of and and talk about it with well thank you it's been it's been a real pleasure being on here i haven't been able to pay much attention to the radio shows so it's been good to actually get a chance to listen to them more and uh i'm really glad you asked me on here and it's been a blast i've really enjoyed it i i hope to come back in the future well you're you're welcome at any time you, Yay. you have an open invitation, and I I appreciate you being a good sport with the blooper reels and putting up <laughs> with love, me. And it's 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 really been great having you a part of the podcast. I love the blooper reels. After every episode, I think I send you like a text or something. Said that that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love the blooper reels, but you, yes, and thank you. So, but yeah, thanks again. Really, it's it's been a blast, and the open invitation also extends to you on my show. Great. Good. Do you have any final thoughts on the radio show? Uh, the radio show, it's been awesome. Uh, it's been fun to li- to watch it grow and evolve over the past almost 60 episodes of the radio show. Uh, I'm still enjoying the heck out of listening to Collier switch over to Superman and back again. Uh, and it's – this ep- what, a, what a great story to go out on. Uh-huh. For me, anyway, because I had a lot. It was just a great story. They they're getting the hang of it, and just keep listening, folks, because the story it, it just ke- keeps getting better. Plus, you've been here for the introduction of basically the entire principal cast, with the exception of Jackson Beck, or not the principal cast, but the the classic cast of the show, with the exception of Jackson Beck, who doesn't actually come along for a little bit yet. 
That's right. And I'm yes. <laughs> it's were, been cool. You were here like, for the very first ever appearance of Jimmy Olsen and and Perry or Paris White. Paris or Paris or pa- Paris or Perry. Right. <laughs> that was awesome. What would um, you say were your favorite and least favorite parts of what we've covered for hmm. the radio show? Or the well, strongest and weakest parts of it so far? Uh, the weakest would probably have to be the Arctic exploration one that we did last time. Okay. Uh, not, I mean, the overall story was kind of cool, but the way they kept jumping around in the time with right. their time was just really annoying. And it just, yeah, I didn't get as much enjoyment out of that one. This is probably, this last one was probably one of my favorites. I do have to say, covering the first couple episodes was really cool uh, just because it was the first time I've actually helped cover Superman's origin in any way and I liked that they devoted the whole first episode to Krypton because that was not something you see every day so that was really cool even the much famed Man of Steel miniseries only gave it like a third of the first issue so right and it's it's just very unusual to kick off a radio show back then and not have your title character in the first episode. Exactly. It's like um, starting a new Batman show and then having Bruce Wayne be a kid the whole time and focusing on the dad until, and then have him get shot at the end. Right. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. Or having a Superman show where he doesn't put on the costume until the last episode of season 10. But they'd never do that. <laughs> no. No, they would never do that. Is there anything that surprised you or, or made you look at it in a new way in the episodes we've heard? I guess we never really got to any episodes that you hadn't heard before, did we? Uh, not really, but actually, other than like the first, the ones that were on the CDs, the last few storylines were kind of new to me. Okay. Um, so yeah, surprising thing. I was I was actually surprised about all the people that played so many different ro- uh, doubled up on roles. Mm-hmm. Some of them you couldn't tell. Some of them you could clearly tell. Um, like anything that Julian Noah does. Yeah, except for um, Julian Noah. That's Perry. He was when he yellow mask. No wait, see the wolf. Oh, I'm blanking now. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the yellow mask. Ned Weaver was the wolf. That's right. That's right. Okay. I think so I yeah, said that Ned Weaver was yellow mask earlier, but yeah. So. Yeah, I that that was a little different just because he really hit his voice on that one. I don't think personally that Yellow Mask and Perry sound anything alike. No. And whenever he does other voices, such as maybe uh, a, a, the commissioner or the sheriff in Dry- I almost said Dryersville, Dyerville, the uh, head train guy at, in the first show, um, they. Those all sounded pretty much the same. Excuse me. Other than some accents, they right. sounded the same. But Yellow Mask sounds completely different. Inflections and everything, you'd almost – excuse me. Now I'm going to burp all the time. Uh, you'd almost think it was different people. So that kind of thing was surprising. I was also surprised that Lois wasn't voiced by Joan Alexander the whole time. I hadn't really paid attention to the voice cast, but I just assumed it was her. I think so, a lot of people would be surprised about that if they knew it, if they weren't real familiar with the sh- with Superman history. and Because yeah, she became so synonymous with the role. Like I said, she voices it clear through the 60s, voices her clear through the 60s. So Exactly. So, so 
you know, I I'd seen all the uh, Fleischer. Thank you, Fleischer and Famous Studios cartoons. I had seen a good chunk of the of the uh, filmation once in the '60s, and so I'd always heard they got the people from the radio cast to do the to do those cartoons. So it's like, oh, so she was, and so everyone knows that she was Lois in the radio show. And since you know you've got the same Perry White and the same uh, Clark the whole time, you would just assume that you'd have the same Lois the whole time. Right. So it's pretty cool that. Uh, she wasn't there the whole time. But, uh, that and the fact that I'm still surprised they still haven't named Metropolis yet. Yeah, that surprised me too. We've been through 57 episodes now, and they've <laughs> named the city. And in fact, they don't even spend a lot of time there. Mm-mm. To be honest with you, uh, and they and the, it's been named for quite a while in the comics, almost since the first couple of issues, wasn't it? The, the Metropolis no. New York or something? Uh, they didn't name that. Well, they named it in the newspaper strip, and then that was later printed in Superman number two, two or three. I am forgetting at the moment. Uh, well, it was the one you were here for. Exactly. Okay, yeah, Superman, the one where it was all newspaper strips. It'd be redone. Superman two because you were here for that Superman number two. Yes. Yay! See, I can do stuff besides the radio show. But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, those were surprises. And it was really cool to hear Jimmy's introduction. Yes. Uh, I, I finally got a chance. Well, I had listened to it only once before, so it was really cool to finally get to hear it and talk about it. And it was pretty interesting. Unfortunately, he only appeared in the one more storyline that you've been here for, but I, he'll be coming back pretty soon. Oh, yeah. So. That's, that's okay. Once you get past the first one, I know a lot about Jimmy, so I'm okay. <laughs> Well, once again, thank you very much. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, like I said, I hope you can come back at some point, even if it's only for one episode. As far as I'm concerned, there's an, uh, the door is always open, and there will always be a chair at the table. So just say cool. the word. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. It's uh, been, like I said, it's been a blast. And I'm, I'm sorry I kind of have to leave you in a lurch, but it's just things are getting a little busy, and I just – I want to. Uh, I try to give this as much time as I can to make without it seeming like <laughs> I'm writing the notes the morning of the show. But right. you know, I just didn't feel like with all the other stuff that I'd be able to keep going. Speaking of other stuff, remind the folks one last time where they can find you. All right. Well, um, my main focus. Well, not my main. Well, my main podcasting focus is Superman of the Bronze Age, which can currently be found at superman in the bronze age blogspot.com and superbronze1970.lipson.com and my uh, of course my show is getting ready to go on a little bit of a hiatus Ooh. yeah i know and i have unfortunately lost my co-host so we are so it's going to be just me for a little bit uh I'm, it's not a full hiatus i'm not doing actual new review episodes but i am going to be hosting uh presenting other shows from the Superman podcast for a little bit, including an episode of this fun show. And um, then I'm going to kind of not relaunch because that would indicate that I'm starting over with a new number one, but kind of have a a, a new season of my show, which will have a new format, and I'm really looking forward to doing that. And he'll be wearing armor, folks. Oh, yeah. Armor, the cape's going to come right out of my shoulders. I'm going to change my S a little bit. And no underwear on the outside. Well, I think that part we can live with. And yeah. your neighbors would appreciate it too. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's not how I roll. Um, I also, because I don't know when they're going to be released by the time we finish it, I, I 
can uh, occasionally stop by John Wilson's Golden Age Superman show, which is called Golden Age Superman, appropriately. And I talk about the action comics issues where Jack Burnley provides the art because he did a really good job. He was on there for, I think, eight issues. And we've gone through, as I record this, four of them, I think. So we're almost done with those. And that's at goldenagesuperman.libson.com. And my big announcement, well, not really my big announcement, but part of the reason why I'm having to leave this show is I am working on being uh, like a colorist, like a comic book type colorist. I'm still kind of a beginner, so you're not like you're going to see me coloring a Superman comic anytime soon. But our friends, uh, including a co-host of one of Michael's other shows, because you've got like seven, right? Um, it feels like that's a <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Taylor and uh, who co-hosts Green Lantern's Light and also co-hosts uh, uh, with Michael Bailey on f- f- uh, that Superman one. From that, crisis to Crisis. Thank you. <laughs> wow. And Billy Hogan, who has the Superman fan podcast, who I believe has also been on this show, right? Uh-huh. Both of them write uh, and draw, uh, respectively, uh, a webcomic called Slipstream. And I have been pretty much hired slightly volunteered but mostly hired to color the to color their web comics so i'm going to be providing colors for that so that so look for that that's at www.clockworkcomics.co.uk i believe and they they have slipstream and several other uh, comics that are on there so i would i recommend checking them out but and when will when will the colored pages start showing up i have no clue oh okay uh, <laughs> keep keep guessing, an eye on the Facebook page, folks, or the Twitter feed, and I'll whenever they show up, I'll, I'll be sure to link to it from there. Yeah, we'll we'll post. They've they uh, it's been announced on their website, that, uh, so to look for them soon. I am waiting on Billy to give me some high, some of the high res scans of the pages. Okay. So I'm the way they're talking. I'm thinking I'm going to have the first thirteen pages colored before they start putting them out there. I'm not completely sure though. Um, things are still we're still working things out. I only just got my go ahead to say yes, you're coloring the day before we're recording this. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I'm pretty excited about it, and hopefully this leads to a career where maybe I will get to color a Superman or Spider Man or Adventures so. or we, Justice. We may, we may be talking about you on this podcast someday. Yay! Colored by Charlie Niemeyer. Look at that. As, as they say, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try living the dream. And, and we can say we knew you when. Yes, this was my pre-coloring days, and <laughs> uh, this will be the stuff that I'll be like on the Tonight Show, and they'll be like, "Oh, we have this clip from way back, in 2012, <laughs> when you first introduced, when you first announced what we were going to do." And, and the good news is, folks, I have all the the recordings <laughs> from when he's been on the show, all the stuff that got edited out. So all the bloopers and the. If you need blackmail material, just call me. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, but you know if that hap- if that ever actually happened, and a comic book colorist was enough of a celebrity to be on the Tonight Show, you would probably get a ton of money from Jay Leno or whoever's hosting it by that point for um, providing that clip. So that'd be really cool. Probably, yeah. Even though it's kind of public domain and you can't really hold a copyright on it. Anyway, but yes, yeah, so I'm going to be busy. And again, I want to thank Michael for inviting me to do this. This has been a, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really sorry uh, that I have to stop doing it because I have really enjoyed it. But hopefully, you know, this won't be the last time we work together. We'll be right. doing something, 
even if it isn't on a regular basis, soon. Hopefully you can come back. I also want to thank you again for that promo you put together for the Superman Podcast Network. Oh. It's, it's still getting a lot of play on various podcasts, and every time I hear it, I just think, wow, that's a really great-sounding promo. So oh, I think thank it's, you. I think it's directed a lot of people to the various shows, and so thank you again. You're welcome. I hope it's worked. Um, I, I gotta, I'll be upload, updating it at some point soon because we've had a few more shows pop, uh, pop in. But that was <laughs> that was quite a bit of work to get together yeah. with the people. And I literally had – I was literally on vacation when I finally was able to get everything put together and record that. So I was, I was, I was pretty excited, pretty proud of it. Well, next episode, we will be back to the Spinner Rack for a look at Action Comics number 27. Before then, please stop by the website at greatcrypton.com, where you will find show notes and links to back episodes. Uh, At the site, you will also get links to all of Charlie's projects, as well as the Facebook and Twitter feeds for the show. Follow the show on either site to get updates and and show-related news. Like I said, I'll, I'll be sure to link to the Slipstream webcomic when Charlie's colored pages start showing up or there's I think I've got a link to it on the side rail now if not I'll put it on there after we get done recording but but who wants to read that in black and white it would be much better in color <laughs> be much more colorful in color yeah but like oh I yes said, I'll, I'll be sure to link to it on the Facebook page when the colored pages start showing up so you can yeah, see it there yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the site, you'll also find the iTunes link and the RSS feed, both of which can be used to subscribe to this podcast. Also, remember to stop by the Superman homepage and the Superman Podcast Network. Updates for the show can be found at both sites whenever there's a new episode out, and I'm honored to be a member on both sites. And last but not least, please check out my other podcasts, Legends of the Batman, which you can find at batmanlegends.com. Yay! And Green Lantern's Light, which you can find at greenlanternslight.com. Yay! Those are good shows, guys. Listen to them. Those are both shows I co-host with friends, and if you like what I do here, chances are pretty decent that you'll like those as well. As always, Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in his copyright DC Comics. Charlie, a big thank you to you again. Please come back soon. Will do. To the rest of you, thanks again for listening to The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, and we will talk to you later. Goodbye. It's been a blast. See you guys. rather be talking about Superman than watching people get changed in clear clothes. Into bridal gowns, yeah. I can't blame you there. Whole lot of purple. <laughs> Alright, so you ready to get started here? Or? I'm ready when you are. Alright.
Let me just make sure my mute button works. Hold on. 